you're listening to the official Scottish Rugby Podcast with Caroline Blair and Chris Patterson. We are back at Scottish Gas Murrayfield, fresh from... Well, I'm quite exhausted after watching <laughs> that game. Talk about a game of two halves against France. That's what it was, wasn't it? <laughs> well, I, it was really... It kind of looked really clear, if this makes sense, during the game that it was a game of two halves. But I've gone since gone back through it and... I thought we started the game particularly well. I thought France looked as if the you know they hadn't played, but it looked like they were you know, talking five, six, seven minutes, finding their feet. Um, and yeah, they, they were they were quite passive. Uh, and then obviously we went ahead, but then for the rest of that half, like they were so good, they dominated everything. They dominated the the contact, the tempo of the game, the penalty count, um, the tries they scored. They, they were really good. I think we had a couple of attacking opportunities that I'd forgotten about when I went back. Um, we built a bit. Of, Pressure on them and Jack Dempsey threw the ball back inside, but Jalabert intercepted mm. it, and that was a wee bit of a turning point in the first mm-hmm. half because we'd really that was built. Quite early on, wasn't it? Yeah, and we'd mm-hmm. built a bit of pressure there, and then there's another one where we were penalised. We were building pressure after a number of phases, about roughly twenty minutes. But other than that, it was all France, and the uh, I thought it was quite telling the final plays of the first half where we were had a throw in in their twenty two, a line it in their twenty two. Uh, so they thought. Uh, they held us up, I think. One scrum, one a penalty for the scrum, one a penalty for the line out, another penalty for the next line there out, and they scored a try just before mm. half time. So I'm thinking that can he put a real dampener on the first half I, I, and almost dominated my, my view the first half. Well, it was 321. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and that was, you know, it's an attacking opportunity just to get back into the game before half time and then four penalties later or, or a turnover and three penalties later. It's, it is 21 points. So that, I think, maybe dictated the, or added to the, the mood and the change in what half time. Well, it must I have mean, been pretty fiery, I'd imagine. Can't wait to catch up and ask what Gregor's message <laughs> was at half time. Because what what was really interesting about that, I mean, obviously we're saying it's like 3.21 at half time. And then skipping ahead a wee bit, but we're, you know, s- s- France... They, they didn't score a single point yeah. in the second half and they conceded 22. That's a bad day at the office in terms yeah. of, of a second it half. Just it you, just shows you how the game is. I think it is. I mean, it's a, it's a lot to do with applications. It's a lot to be taking your, your opportunities. Of course it is. I don't think Scotland's game plan changed. I think it was just far more intense, far more uh, probably conviction behind it in the second half. But what did swing completely the way was, was the discipline, the penalty count in the second half. France just, you know, through being put under pressure, conceded penalty after penalty and allowed us to, as France did in the first half, dictate the speed of the game, where the game was played, you know, when you wanted to quicken it up, when you wanted to attack the edge, the way he came hard at the line outside and got his hands free and got the offloads going and then allowed Finn to distribute. Um, George Horne was, was quicker in the base. It, it just, Scotland's DNA that has been, the, the plan for Scotland to be successful in these big games over the last three or four years was, you know, purely evident on the second half, just that, that conviction. So so I don't think anything was different in terms of strategy or game plan in the first half. It just looked like conviction and belief in the second half and I assume that was the message from Gregor because there was opportunities they didn't take in the first half, but my word, getting the right side of the, the penalty count and play at that tempo and intensity, you're a threat against anyone. And I think communication-wise as well, it was interesting to see how Finn was working uh, in that sense, he was a great communicator, but also with the referee. He so enjoyed it, it, didn't you he? Know, he did. It looked he like did. he enjoyed it. What was your assessment of him? From oh, I thought it was great. Oh, uh, Brian, uh, he's a natural leader, and I think where leadership sometimes gets a wee bit textbook, and I mean, there will be a textbook way to lead that people aspire to 
be like and want to be like, but leadership can be in all different shapes and forms and behaviours as well. And and his is different to other people's, but it's still a real sense of leadership. Although I thought the best, you know, the best part, a really important part is leadership. You probably, maybe a lot of people didn't pick up was we just got back in the game. I think it was after the, our first try, uh, just at the start of the second half. Mm-hmm. So it'd be what, 21 10 perhaps at 21 10 at that point I think it was to go 21 10 mm-hmm. and we we didn't exit the kickoff particularly well and they were attacking five minutes out we made two massive collisions one a defensive tackles one on Boogery and, and pretty much the same phase one on Boogery and then one on uh, Gross the prop two in a row forced the turnover and I, thought, I was going to say that, that, like yeah. seven yeah well that, that's leadership though isn't <laughs> yeah. it like you were talking about his rapport yeah, with the referee yeah. and his decision making and his distribution but actually when you want a leader to step up you know, put his body in the line He's in doing that position. He did it. And 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 at the time in the game where it was you've just gotten back into the game with your first try, you don't really want France to get any further ahead. I thought that was brilliant. Um but his relationship with the FD was getting almost like Ben Keith did it as well, you know. It, was, <laughs> know. it wasn't the usual kind of question and demeanour. It was it was a very like casual communication. Si- they got him on side as well. So, <laughs> but but that is part of it. We have spoken about yeah. that in the past, isn't yeah. it? It's a big part of it. You've been your your referee management yeah. as well and and getting that relationship through. It was really interesting to see um, the, the crowd reaction as mm. well to, to sustain that faith, that belief right through after I think that the, first half. I think as we scored in the first phase, well, the, the first play of the second half. It Crucial. was two and a half minutes. It was two and a half minutes, I think, or 42, 33 when, uh, when Darcy scored again. But the ball was in play for the whole time and it was uh, Jack Dempsey got the kick off and just fired back got footwork got in behind and then it was it was one effective long phase of play and that suits Scotland it got the tempo it got the crowd behind and it raised the excitement levels and I think that was really important I think if the longer the second half had gone on without getting points maybe we'd all have been doubting you know the the intensity and the you know the, the, the style of the game but that was really important kept and us all in then to back it up again, me screw you getting over and oh, you know I, that's what I'm going. I want to ask it on about momentum in the game mm. because, like, what it felt like. Yeah, because from... it looked watching that the outcome was going to be a Scotland win, even though we were still probably two tries down at that point. It just felt. I have momentum a six-year-old said that. Yeah. I said that in that box. A oh, few of us said it's that. Pretty, it's pretty astute, then. Well, it? but we just no. There was just that thing. I think yeah. from their vision, like we were saying this in the box when we were watching from sort of the green room from the hospitality green room. There was just something about it. There was it's something. Momentum. Ab- there it's was momentum. momentum. It's momentum. And it comes from a belief, but also comes from I think sometimes when teams are not too far ahead, but so far ahead. Yeah. It's difficult emotion for them. Mind you, we saw it in that 38 all draw took them years ago, oh, where it was yeah. 31-0, I think, wasn't it, at one point? And you think if that was, I think we said at the time, if that was England up 18-0 or 23-0, the, the outcome's probably different. If the half-time score had been 17-10 or something, I think it changes the game. But I, I think how you manage it as a, the team in front becomes really important as well and I don't think France did that particularly well because they weren't given the chance I also did, it came it felt like it came as a surprise to them when they came off the pitch there was like rabbits got in the headlights as well that they, they hadn't actually managed to get across the line in the second half at all yeah our defence was good yeah uh, very good and their discipline badly let them down um, although if we are if we are going down that route, it is. Oh yeah, the headline discipline was. What what's what do you think he'll be feeling at the moment? Oh, he'll be he'll be gutted because it it was a red card. Um, you could say it's a good use of the the bunker system, the the, the review system. Um, I think because it quickened it up, and I think if we'd 
taking time and going through it and had replay after replay with the referee, probably a company red card. But I think the safety net of having that bunker there where you can keep tempo and intensity in the game by saying this is meets the yellow card threshold, but you're on report. So I think the process was done pretty well. And I think, you know, it was pretty clear there was you know, direct head contact, clear line of sight. It was high. I mean, he'll be gutted because Bugari, the hooker, actually goes for the ball and then pulls out that, of it. Yeah. So so it, it has to be a discipline where you don't go near that. I don't think he could have got any lower. He could probably have attacked it with his left shoulder rather than his right shoulder. So the technical point, he was kind of attacked it with the wrong side. But that's a fraction of a second stuff. So you're almost better. And I think this is where we're getting to in rugby. And we've seen it on kind of high ball collisions in the air. Players just backing out if, if, they, if they know... They're doing the kind of probability in their head as they're running it, however many metres per second, trying to make a judgement. Do I have a chance here? No, we'll back out. But it's hard when you're naturally aggressive and you're, you want to get in. But it, it's almost, that was one where you didn't have to go in. And by going in, you put yourself at risk and, you know, quite rightly, a, a red car. But he'll... Uh, um, he'll he'll be gutted. And great that we've got Nell there as well, uh, waiting there too. It's not like we're, it's, you know, uh, he, he, it was great to see him enjoying yeah. the game as well. well so. As last week, that the bench made an impact as well. Yeah, they did. Um, and there was five come on at one point, wasn't there? Yeah. It was, it was a, I, heard, I heard Graham, the stadium announcer, you just heard him sigh. <laughs> know, which is uh, not on the mic, yeah, you just which, knew. Which is, you don't often see too many no. changes, and the team who has continued at the time and as in top keeping it. It's, it's hard for an individual player. I've been there myself when you come on to try and get the speed of the game, get the tempo of the game. So when you're changing, what, five? You know, at that time? I, you know, yeah. Yeah, it's, I was um, quite surprised. Uh, it, it, you know, credit to, to the decision-making and, and the execution because they, they won. Yeah, it was good. So the depth, listen, the depth will be tested. There was, unfortunately, you know, some players released from the squad over the weekend. Um, I'm sure the message will be keep fit because... Every World Cup I was involved with, and everyone we've we've seen, there'll be changes to the squad, unfortunately through injury and and whatever. So it'll be uh, it'll be disappointing. Don't turn the phone off. Yeah, I'll be disappointing for now, but you know, stay stay engaged, stay stay fit as, as will be, Work because hard, there'll, yeah. there'll be there'll be changes potentially, probably prior to leaving, and once the games start uh, for real in France as well, it's a uh, it's a sad part of the game, but it, it happens often. Well, time now to head over to France to catch up with Scotland hooker Dave Cherry. Dave, good to catch up. Uh, we've <laughs> we started this segment, Mossy and I, saying it was a game of two halves. <laughs> you were very much involved in that second half. Uh, you, you had a chance to reflect and to catch your breath from Saturday. Uh, a little bit. I shot off to a wedding, so I've not really reflected too much on it, but... <laughs> Um, yeah, we've had a few meetings talking about it and how we maybe didn't start the games we wanted to start. And on the bench, your kind of your job is to try and bring energy and impact when you can. So that's what we were talking about, and we kind of tried to do. And obviously, with the uh, yellow turned red card, um, we had to come on. And first thing was a scrum, which thankfully the old the old boy VP managed to do well. And so, no, you've uh, we spoke about that as well. Five replacements always coming on. At once as well, it was like an army led by Dave Cherry like coming it? on. But, um, <laughs> but before that, as you're watching the first half, because I actually thought we started reasonably well for the first three or four minutes, and then we said earlier, France just took control, didn't they? They kind of dominated a lot of the contact, they looked after possession really well, they won the penalty count in that first half, and we couldn't get into the game. And we're surmising that the message at half time was you have to be more. Um, 
probably instinctive to stick to what you're doing. It, it wasn't a, a, stra a strategical change or a tactical change. It was just like just get almost more venom in, in the in the, the way that you try to play. But was that what was said at halftime? Yeah, I mean, we we kind of pride ourselves on our work ethic and physicality, and maybe we were just a bit off it in that first half. But France, there's always something unexpected they'll throw at you and. That um, exit we had, where we kicked, and then they just score it, and nothing. That that is France. Um, so we're obviously disappointed to concede in that way. But I don't know what you mean. It just didn't feel quite right. It didn't quite click. But um, glad as a team we managed to to change that and sort it in the second half. France didn't uh, manage to score a single point in the second half, and yet conceded the twenty-two. So what, from your perspective, I guess the defence as well that we saw, the work that you were having to put in, it's not that the opportunities weren't there for them. What was that shift like for you? Uh, I don't know. You don't even really think of it in that sense. You just kind of <laughs> go on and try and do your job, I guess. But I think we were, we were quite disciplined. We uh, listened well to the referee and what he was asking of us. And pressure kind of leads to turnovers, and that's what happened. We got the ball back and managed to convert. You're a, you're a tri-scored machine, Dave, like all hookers. They <laughs> came up with a, another important one at the weekend. Uh, again, excellent team effort on the right side of discipline. It was two or three efforts just before that, wasn't it? I think it was three, two or three penalties in quick succession in their 22. You took a quick tap uh, on one of them, went to the line at another couple. And to get over the line at the end is really pleasing, but there's a discipline is there as well. I thought you were maybe going to sneak off the mall a wee bit earlier on your own, but your, your timing was impeccable. No, I had patience at the back. Um, you got to credit the, the lads there at the kind of cool face and actually getting whacked and stuff. So I'll just ride that snake and then um, when the white line approaches, just dive nice and low. And, but yeah, we had a few um, tap penalties. I think Finn was like, tap and go. I was like, okay. And uh, you just run into, a, run into a brick wall and then keep going. And luckily we... Stayed patient and played out the advantages and eventually got over the whitewash. Which was I, I thought on that, I thought the decisions were right, but was there a, a, a contemplation of, of taking one of the kicks at goal when you were? I think it was still what, maybe four. Oh yeah, that's four, right. Four points behind, and then but momentum we spoke. Yeah, yeah, momentum we spoke about before to get ahead to get that that third try. You feel the momentum on the field, and I think it was the right thing not to kick a goal. But did it? Did it? Was it spoken about at the time? Uh, left that one in Finn's capable hands. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think you're right, though. Like, we had penalty on penalty, and the ref was maybe under a bit of pressure to maybe give a yellow card or something along those lines. So we just kept hammering at the door, and eventually we got through. And I think that was the how we felt at the time, and just thankfully we managed to get across the line. Speaking of Finn, Jamie was unavailable last week. Um, Finn did step up into the captaincy role. What was that experience like? What's he said about it? Uh, he's just quite a cool, calm. I mean, his messages before the game were enjoy it. Um, go out and express yourself. So, but not a huge amount of changes uh, really with, with when Jamie dropped out and Finn came in. It was the same messages all, all week for the the team, but yeah, he's a, he's a nice, cool, calm, collected chap to have on the pitch leading the boys. And you um, you said you sneaked off to a wedding immediately after. You squeezed a busy weekend because <laughs> on Sunday you flew to Nice as well. So you're in Nice at the moment, aren't you? Building up for the week the, the week before heading into St Etienne for the game. Um, have you trained? So it's Monday as we talk. Have you obviously gotten to Nice and trained already? The, the, the focus switching on to next week more than last week already? Yeah, classic forwards. We were first up and in the gym, the back's a coffee clubber. I don't know what they do. You can probably enlighten us more, Mossy, and what backs do. Uh, you, you don't. You don't sound. You don't sound better in any way, Dave. <laughs> Not at all. 
but you've been out in the field already. I've been up in gym and doing a bit of recovery, and this is a learning day for us, so head in the books. Moving on then to this weekend, I mean, part of the thing that you brought up the other week was that there's it's an opportunity to play through, I guess, yeah. the, the the arrival, the the routine for the week, the, the lead up as you would ahead of the Rugby World Cup to give a bit of a flavour. Is that the plan still this week? I think so, yeah. I mean, we're out at the hotel that the, the guys will be based at for the World Cup. So I think it will give a flavour of how a week will run and what will happen for a World Cup and the kind of time you get at this, the stadium, etc. So... I guess it is a kind of prep for the actual World Cup games. And then looking again to that game then, what, what are we expecting on, on Friday, on Friday, on Saturday, what are we expecting this weekend? <laughs> Probably more of the same. Um, I suspect France will make a few changes. Um, no idea what our team will be yet, but it's just going to be another test match and we'll focus predominantly on ourselves and we always know there's a bit of French flair that will come at some point in the game and We'll just have to worry about ourselves and hope we can deal with that when it comes. Yeah, it seems to be the the idea that France will perhaps pick some of the, the guys that didn't play last weekend. But that's a brilliant opportunity if it is, you know, the players who've recently, you know, a couple of years ago won a Grand Slam and got up to number one, number two in the world. Playing them after the defeat, the week after the defeat, back at home, that, that simul that's a big enough challenge as it is, but it's really quite close to simulating what the first challenge in Rugby World Cup will be as well, playing... Uh, South Africa and in the south of France so I know the focus will be purely on what's going to happen this weekend but you can see the similarities of the, the physicality the size the bulk the the, the the task at hand that you'll be preparing for this weekend and, and further later on in the next couple of months 100% I remember the press were asking after the game they're like you know they maybe didn't have a few of their main players they're like well name an easy test match nowadays there just isn't one so whoever you play now whether it's you know, anyone in the top 10 and above in the world, it's it's going to be a physical and hard match. So, yeah, Saturday might be a step up because it's a, a game closer to the World Cup, but, it's, you know, it's going to be like the Saturday we just had. It'll be physical and a fast game of rugby. Yeah, we said how good France were in that opening 40 minutes and, and how good they weren't allowed to be in the second 40, but quality test Same match. But well. um, Listen, are you the tour guide? You, you spent a bit of time down there, didn't you? You played at Stade Nisois. You'll be... Uh, are you front it's of the bus? Are you are you organising everything down there? Are you home from home, is it? I know a few places to rehydrate, Mossy. <laughs> after after the game. <laughs> Correct. Did you, you enjoyed your time down there, though, didn't you? Yeah, certainly. Experience came back with a now fiance and a slight tan. So, um, yeah, it was a good time I had there, and uh, some stories of venturing around France was. Stay in France, uh, but you yeah, had a great time, great experience, glad I did it and it led on to the career I've had so I was, I was glad I did it. Well you've certainly done a lot to uh, put your hand up to be going going back to France later on this year potentially as well. So very best wishes Dave, thanks so much for having a catch up with us and uh, enjoy the rest of the week. Enjoy thanks so much guys. Cheers. Good luck Dave. This is your opportunity to support Scotland at home as they prepare for this year's World Cup in France. Tickets for Scotland's final fixture against Georgia are still available, so get your tickets now to secure your seat. Visit scottishrugby.org for ticket information. There's nothing like being there. He's a cool man, isn't he? He as well. Honestly, he's, um, he's a really important member of the squad as well because he is. Uh, we, we spoke about his time in Nice and the experience he picked up 
it was a bit later to professional rugby in in Scotland, really. But he's a real hard edge. He's he's, he's brilliant company. He's really good for the squad. But he performs every time. And you think uh, his, tri- his strike rate, his tries for, <laughs> for Scotland, he, he delivers. And yeah, a, a quality player, a, a good man. But it'll be a big challenge for whoever plays this weekend. St Etienne. You you've get the feeling you've kind of made France angry a little bit. Yeah. And whoever the player, I mean, they were quality. We keep saying it in the first half, but they will add. I assume Aldrich, Dante. They might add experience. Into ma- yeah. they, they add a bit of physical mass as mm-hmm. well. I think sometimes where we've came up short against France in, in national team and also kind of professional teams domestically as well is just that massive bulk. Um, so they may add that, they may not. Who knows? Who knows what, who we'll pick? But uh, I think with the DNA that we've got within the side in terms of the structure and the game plan, played at a tempo, moving defenders, attacking edges um, and, and putting a smile on my face then I think we're a match for anybody at the moment oh, I tell you what, uh, who'd be Gregor Townsend picking <laughs> from your, your hookers anyway, we'll say that much, but yeah, certainly a good game to look ahead to this weekend Well, a friend of the official Scottish rugby podcast, Tommy Seymour has been catching up with Scotland captain Jamie Ritchie and Sam Skinner Welcome everyone here at Scottish Gas Murrayfield for the second fixture in the famous Grouse Nation series. Unfortunately, as we all can bear witness to, the Scottish summer has come for us. But what better excuse than to grab a grouse and ginger and squeeze yourself into this wonderful tent and hopefully listen to what will be a very insightful Q&A. On that note, I am delighted to welcome two of our men's national players, none other than Sam Skinner and Scotland men's captain Jamie Ritchie. Round of applause. Hi, everyone. Hello. Guys, for, for a novice host such as myself, it seems like a relatively easy first question. How are you both, Sam? How are you? How's the body recovering? Yeah, I'm good. Um, obviously, played in the game last weekend. I was actually pretty sore. The first one, you get your body knocked, in, knocked around a little bit. Um, but yeah, life's good. Pretty happy. Wonderful. And Jamie, obviously, unfortunately, we've not been able to see you yet currently, but we hope everything's well. How's the injury progressing? How has preseason been for you? Yeah, no, all good. Um, it was kind of touch and go for this week, but just erring on the side of caution. So, yeah, hopefully good to go next week. Uh, when we're out in France, I just didn't fancy playing in the arena. So. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, fair enough. Sam, we'll go to you because we want to touch on Italy first. First run out, obviously, of this series. It's been a long preseason for you boys. One, how exciting was it to be out there again at Scottish Gareth Murrayfield? But secondly, that game, in essence, obviously, was a bit scrappier than we would have thought, but there's new combinations in play, a couple of new caps amongst it. How do you feel that went? What was the kind of summary in the change room of how the game was for you guys? Yeah, obviously, it was amazing being back out there. Um, it's a dream for all of us to play in that, in that stadium, and it's always a privilege when we get the chance. It was a, re- it was a scrappy game, and we were obviously chuffed to come through in the end, a bit like the last time we played them in the Six Nations. Um, we're trying to play a really exciting brand of rugby, high tempo, and I think we probably kept trying to push that style despite the weather and the conditions. So, um, and we'd love to try and do that again today, but we'll just probably have to play it a little bit smarter, I think. Um, but yeah, hopefully in France, when we go to the World Cup, it will be suns out and we'll be able to play the style of rugby we want. Um, but I think that was probably the challenge we didn't necessarily adapt to amazingly well last weekend. Beautiful. Now, Jamie, I want to, obviously frustrating for you having to be on the sidelines. I know having been fortunate enough to play alongside you, you're not one to sit on the sideline and, and enjoy it. But Darcy Graham back on return from injury, and of course Ben Healy as well, two, two notable performances within that Scotland Sky win. How, did, how do you think Ben went, obviously, in his first game at, at, at Murrayfield from a, from a starting position? And then also how wonderful it was to see Darcy back in action doing the things that we love to see him do on the wing. Yeah, look, it was brilliant. I think um, getting to see Ben play, I hadn't seen him play an awful lot. I've 
played against him a couple of times for Munster, but you kind of get caught up in your own your own job then. But it was really great for me to see him play, and I thought he looked like he always had time in the ball, which for me is a sign of a good ten. He looked calm. He had some really good kicks to touch, like those little pressure moments that make a big difference. So yeah, great to see him get a run out and play so well. Um, and then yeah, it's all it's always fun to watch Darcy play. Like I love getting to watch him. It's so much better having him on your team. <laughs> I can guarantee that. Um, but just the way he punches so much above his weight, it's, it's, it's awesome to watch him play and he looked back to his best. So no, I'm excited to see him go again today. No, he was obviously fantastic performance. I'm sure he delighted that he got a little bit of a break towards the end of the game, saved the lungs for today. I want to take you guys back because I know, we, we've been, you, as I said, you've been in preseason for a long period of time now. When we talk about the advantages of being together as a group for that long a period, it's unique. It doesn't happen at any point during your calendar. You know, it's, it's unique to a World Cup. What are the advantages, Sam, of being able to be around each other, both from a, a chemistry point of view, but also sort of the application of some of the things the coaches want you to, to get across that you don't get at other points during the year? Yeah, I mean, we didn't get to see the best example of it last weekend, but I do genuinely believe we've, we've kind of stepped up another level in terms of how kind of cohesive we are. So hopefully you'll see some of those combinations out there today. Um, and just more time together, more laughs, more beers, working hard, training, you know, you know, balanced lifestyle. Drink responsibly. Um, Drink responsibly, everyone. We've got to emotionally, we have to emotionally recover after, after big games. So, um, yeah, we're trying to get that blend right and have a good time and basically play as hard as we can for you guys, really. And I think we'll hopefully see that today. Wonderful. Well, that's a wonderful... A wonderful sort of intro. I don't drink, but I only drink um, famous ginger gross. That's it. See, he's nailed it. But it seems an obvious touching point then, Jamie. Obviously, captain on the field, captain off it as well. It, as I said, it's a long pre-season. There's got to be times that you guys, you can't be on the field all the time. You can't be in the video all the time. What do you guys do? Has the, have you had opportunity to get off the field, you know, become cohesive as a unit and build that chemistry? Because we always know these teams off-field chemistry translate onto on-field chemistry. So what have you guys been up to off the field that, that sort of brings you closer together? Yeah, definitely. Like, we try and get stuff in as much as we can within reason. I think um, we had a, a good time in, in France the, after we finished our pre-season block out there, the end of block one, we, we managed to get out for, for a few drinks and um, some laughs together after that, which was, which was good fun to do it in a new place and kind of experience what we're going to be experiencing, hopefully, when it comes to the World Cup. Get a good look at some places, potentially. Um, and then, yeah, like... During the week as well, there's things that we do. We have this thing called Extra Hour where um, we spend a lot of time together and there's, there's little things within that. Um, the guys from Famous Grouse were in this week giving us a talk on some of the whiskey and, and things that they do. And uh, other times there's, there's guys sharing their stories. We call them about me's where they, they share a little bit more vulnerability and which is really good for building that kind of connection, getting to know um, a little bit more about people and, and why they do the things that they do. Yeah, so for us, it's kind of just constantly building those relationships and we're out for dinners and, and loads of different stuff. So yeah, it's, it's really good. And like you say, we've had an extended period of time together, which we don't often get as a national team because it's usually a week before into Six Nations or an autumn. So having that extended period of time when we're all such so close as a group is just is, is really great for us and we all love it. And do you find that useful for a captain as well? Because there's some messaging as well that you're probably trying to push from a, just a playing group point of view. Do you find that useful as a captain to have that time as well? Or is that just build into the greater picture? Yeah, massively. It makes my job really easy because I'm not having to kind of drive stuff only on the field. And I'd not that I drive loads off the field anyway. That kind of happens a bit more organically. So um, the guys spending more and more time together builds those relationships so you're not necessarily having to kind of enforce cohesiveness uh, in and around training. So yeah, it's, it's really great for me. It, it makes my job yeah, really easy. That's what we want to hear. So 
bring it back to today. We'll, we'll take the next two you know, fixtures together. We've got France back to back. Let's pretend everyone in the crowd's naive, right? That we've never experienced France before. Sam, you want to give us a little bit of an overview? Now, I know it's a little bit less of a tried and tested squad that France picked today, but for everyone listening, what, how, what sums up France to you? What do we expect and how does Scotland plan on countering that today? Um, expect the unexpected with France. Um, so there's a lot of different players in their team today, but they've all been players that have basically topped the charts in the top 14 last year. Um, so they've got top turnovers, um, top line breaks, and they tend to be a team when you, think, when you think you've got them and you think you're comfortable, particularly in these conditions, they'll then hurt you. So boys are going to have to be on it for the whole 80 minutes and um, make sure that when we get opportunities, we capitalise, but make sure that you know, they can attack you from anywhere. Quick picks through the ruck, little chip kicks. Um, they're really exciting to watch and play against. Um, but you know, hopefully we can, uh, we can outsmart them a little bit today. Brilliant. And, and Jamie, just... In terms of the next two fixtures, France, for anyone that is unaware, they're second in the world right now, obviously playing host for the World Cup in a couple of months' time. As a measuring stick for you guys as a squad, currently sitting fifth in the world, do you think this is a good litmus test for you guys as to where you currently sit as a squad against the second best team in the world? Yes and no. Um, I think today the guys who are getting to run out um, for us are... It's their first game of the season, so there'll be a little bit of some teething issues if some of the guys haven't played together in a while. But yes, against an, again, it's France's first game as well, so the game might necessarily be as kind of all glorious as it might have been if we played a few already this season. But I think yeah, it'll be a good test for us where we're at physically. I think those are kind of the non-negotiable parts of the games in terms of our work rate, um, how physical we are, because France are um, kind of a physical team, so we're going to need to front up there. But yeah, no, it will be a good test for us. But um, yeah, I'm really excited to see how we go over the next two weeks and how we can kind of build and progress and, and get our game out there. And, and when the rain comes on like this, does that change the mentality around how you guys want to play? Now, certainly I know you'll be used to these conditions. You'll have messaging. You'll be able to, to sort of change as you see fit. But does the game plan in essence change when you wake up in the morning and you see that outside? Well, we've got Finn Russell at 10, so, um, you know, whatever he decides to do half a second before he gets the ball will be the plan. Um, I'm a, you know, we should play a little bit. Let's hope we, I don't know, who, who knows? Hopefully he does his thing and we, and we smash it. That's, That's why we all love him, we though, right? That's why we're all here. So, of course is the plan, of course is the plan. So, look, we'll not, we don't want to gloss over by any means. The last game in the, uh, in the famous Grouse Nation series is Georgia, obviously, at home at the end of the month. They've been making waves, obviously, in rugby. They've made a lot of noise in recent years. They've made it quite clear to everyone that the ambition for them is to sit atop the European competitions. Their underage setups have done tremendously well in the last couple of years. How important is that fixture for you guys, Jamie? Not only as a fixture that you'll want to win, but in sending the squad off in the right frame of mind going into what will be a very arduous tournament. Yeah, momentum's massive in our game. I think you see that throughout Six Nations periods, often teams that start well go on to finish well. It's, a, it's such a massive, massive part of the game. So if we can get that kind of confidence and, and a bit of momentum going into to that, to that South Africa game, then we back ourselves. So yeah, that Georgia game's huge for us. I, I'm not sure who Gregor will pick for it or whether he'll go fully loaded or not, but whatever team he picks to go out against that will carry momentum into the game. So yeah, we're really excited about it. Amazing. And Jamie, I'll just stay with you for the next question because we'll move on to the tournament in France in a couple of months time. 
what hopefully I want to touch wood. I know players don't like talking about selection, Sam. Obviously, I know you were very unfortunate with an injury last time. But if we take it as a squad point of view, so we'll not look at it as individuals. Jamie, this will, will hopefully be your second tournament. What are the difficulties and what are the challenges that is unique to a World Cup when you guys are entering it as a squad? Now, obviously, calendars, etc., change in regards to weeks in, weeks out. But from your point of view, what are the challenges the squad will face? Good question. Um, I think the main challenge is often in World Cups, the, the turnarounds are a wee bit shorter. Um, so the body needs a bit more time, doesn't have as much time to recover. There can be a lot of change team-wise, team week to week with that. And um, the difficulty is for us, we've got a really tough group. Um, so like, it's really important that we, that we do well in all those games. And the South Africa game and the Ireland game aside, the, those two other games could be pretty tough as well, um, especially with Tonga getting a lot of the, the guys from guys back from who've played international elsewhere. That, that makes a massive difference to their squad, and I'm sure they'll be up for it. So um, there's, there's three or four tough games in there for us, so it's about backing up. And uh, the squads are a little bit smaller than you would have for something like a Six Nations. You've only got 33 to pick from, um, so that would be, be hugely important. Beautiful. Right, we've only got a little bit of time left. Sam, I want to I go to you because, as we said, we briefly mentioned, very unfortunate I was alongside you last time when you unfortunately had that injury which led out to you being unavailable. But we talk about a World Cup from a rugby pyramid of achievements. Where does a World Cup sit for players these days? Obviously, it's very unique. It's only once every four years. From your point of view, from a playing point of view, where does the, world, the rugby World Cup sit in regards to things that you want to achieve as a player? It's obviously a huge goal, and uh, um, it'd be, it would be a dream to be part of a, a World Cup squad, but I think the way we are as a squad, it's more than that now. We don't want to just go and take part. We don't want to just get your sort of plane ticket and go and take it all in and think it's great. We want to go and put on a show and, and make, make everyone here proud and, and, and you know, create opportunity for ourselves. So um, we're going there with the mindset to win uh, 100% and, uh, and belief, and uh, it's all about creating that momentum now. But yeah, personally, of course, we all want to be on that plane. But um, it's not just about being there, you know. We want to um, play some golf away from the game, obviously. But other than that, um, see some nice courses. But other than that, we want to win the World Cup. So that's, that's got to be the goal for us. Beautiful. Well, no better way to finish, really, than that, ladies and gentlemen. So I'd like a warm round of applause for our Scotland Thanks, captain, Jamie Richards, Sam Skinner. To everyone that's joined us here today, thank you very much at the famous Grouse Clubhouse. And for all those listening on next week's podcast, make sure next time you're here at Scotty F. Murray Field, you venture down to the West Stand Fan Village, you come to the famous Grouse Clubhouse, you get yourself a grouse and ginger, the spirit of rugby, famous grouse. Hope everyone has a wonderful day today and look forward to seeing you all soon. Well, that's it from Mossy Night for this week. We will, of course, be back with more content in the weeks to come. For now, though, if you are looking for more news and information, tickets, or any content, as always, log on to scottishrugby.org or follow the Scottish Rugby's official social media channels. Yeah.